is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Welcome to the 33rd episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with a very special guest. I'm so excited that he's here with me on the show. Before we get to the show, I want to kindly ask if you can please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Hebrew Hits Radio, and go follow us on Instagram at Hebrew underscore hit. Please subscribe on all the streaming apps to Hebrew Hits on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, IR Radio. Yeah, let's see how fast you can say all those. Well, let's get straight to the show. I have got Asher Lobb on the show with me today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Have, couldn't be better. You said that all so quickly without stuttering. That's incredible. Well, it's my 33rd episode that I've had to say all that. So, you know. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you try saying it. Well, Asher, it's so amazing how you're finally on the show. I met you a couple couple months ago, actually at a wedding, and then we were working together. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get this, get this guy on the show. So thank you so much for being here. When I first think of a violin, I just want to start off with a violin because I have never seen an electric violin until I have met you, and it's so surprising because when I think of a violin, I literally think of a small brown instrument, and then I see you, and you're the violin guy. And I'm like, what are you holding? And you're like, it's this clear via electric violin. It even glows. So have you always known about this violin? And, and has this always been your dream violin? So, um, so the short is, I, I broke up a little bit, so it was hard for, for me to hear. But I think what you're asking about is, um, you know, have I always known about the electric violin? So I haven't. Um, my entire life, I would say the majority of my life, I have not. And uh, because I was brought up in a very kind of um, black and white uh, classical um, music type background, uh, mm-hmm. through the, uh, learned through the Suzuki methods and was played with orchestras, didn't know anything about how violin is really a cont- can be used as a contemporary instrument and is very much so. Uh, and I think that's what the electric violin, which I discovered, I don't know, really late, um, like my 20s, uh, that it, it, it fits very well with you know, uh, modern music, electronic music, which is what I produce mm-hmm. and pop music and all sorts of fun stuff that people think maybe it isn't so relevant anymore. Cause, oh yeah, they just associate that with orchestras, but yeah. that's not so much the case. So that, that's what the electric violin really represents to me, uh, contemporary music. And do you get to choose any specific color that it glows or does it just glow blue or green? Oh, the, the led. So that's an led yeah. violin. Um, not all of them light up like that, but uh, yeah, I do like six different colors to make it cute. People like the the light up. I try to match it with the with the bow bow light, so people are like, "Oh, check that out!" You know, it definitely adds. And who gave you your first violin? And if you can share a story, if you remember what your first experience was actually playing the violin. Uh, so strangely enough, I remember it very clearly. I remember my childhood super duper clearly, and and the many lessons that I took in the Suzuki method, like it was yesterday. And it could be because I've constantly reminded myself as I've grown up um, mm-hmm. what, what those moments were like, uh, I guess, because I'm a sentimental kind of person, you know, that, yeah, the music lessons were uh, not that much fun. I have, I, I, and I don't think I really chose the instrument, even though my mom claims that I did. Uh, there was a lot of strictness involved and I had to, you know, stick to strict, strict memorization of the music and moving from one level to the next. And I would say it was 
probably a lot of pressure and more pressure than a two-year-old, three-year-old should have to deal with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it wasn't abusive, but uh, but it was a little intense. And not to get too off topic, my, my mom's like, you sure you want to make music a career? Like years later when I moved to New York, I'm like, you started me at the age of two. What, what do you think? Like, is that a serious <laughs> question? You're surprised that music is now my career. <laughs> she wanted me to go off to medicine and I got those degrees. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, I remember, I remember the, uh, the lessons very, very clearly. And um, I went through, I don't know, 10 different teachers and I have to say, I, I had only one very wow. good teacher. That was Thomas Halpin. <laughs> uh, he was a wow. of Ivan Galamian. Okay. By the way, if I keep talking and you want to say something, just say, shut up. I could just talk forever here, but he was an amazing <laughs> teacher. And, and that mm-hmm. came in high school. I kind of wish he taught me when I was that, you know, much younger. Cause, cause those were hard years playing etudes and boring scales and, yeah. The... It's so interesting, though, that your first memory with the violin was intense because like now you love it. So it's interesting that your first memory was was intense. And it's also interesting that you basically gave yourself the violin. You weren't like handed it. You chose it, basically. That's what your mom says. At least. Well, well, my mom claims that I chose it. I disagree. I didn't answer your initial question, which is what which is who gave me my, my initial violin. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Uh, and <laughs> and that, the answer to that is my aunt Sheila who's in the Boston Symphony and and speaking of intense people I love her but she's uh you know obviously she's a hard worker and and she she made it to the top in in classical music industry and uh, I'm fortunate that she gave me the violin and Mm -hmm. I got to play for her throughout the years so she, that's where you get it. That's where you get it from. Then I was wondering, because who gives a two year old a violin? Usually it's the drums, a little yeah. piano. And then there's like a little two year old, little two year old playing the violin, figuring how to like play it with the bow and everything. But now it's your aunt that was into it. Very yeah, well, into violin. The first real violin. But but the first violin that I played was a, a margarine box, um, mm-hmm. literally a margarine box. You cut out the middle because it's so small. Like the, the actual physical violins weren't small enough for my fingers. So uh, they they attached rubber bands around uh, the margarine wow. box, and we they served a string. So they're like four four rubber bands, and you mm-hmm. kind of like got the positioning and and got the fingering, and kind of plucked each string, and that's that's how it really started. Like wow. when I was still in diapers. <laughs> Were your parents also very into music? They both dabbled in music for a number mm-hmm. of years. I wouldn't say that they were professionals, but my dad plays the violin, or I would say fiddle, and my mom plays the guitar ukulele okay oh wow yeah so good for her if she didn't hand it to you at two years old who knows what you'd be playing now probably drums or guitar like every other normal (laughs) person (laughs) no so now i see that you also came to play in the buffalo philharmonic so how did that come to be that's like really prestigious to play in the philharmonic yeah but that was just one that was one show like i wasn't like incorporate i wasn't like brought in to be like a regular you know act uh but i, I yeah got, you gotta be pretty darn good to like have that opportunity so i was fortunate enough to be to be selected among a group of people uh in the nisma auditions or the G- greater buffalo or- orchestra upstate auditions among classical musicians to be able to perform with them at a, a live concert which was pretty intense pretty cool and never forget it we'll never forget it 
how was that? You were, you said you were 13, right? When you, when you, when you played there? Uh, yeah, 13, pretty sure. So what were you yeah. feeling when you were on that stage? Were you feeling nervous or were you just like, I'm on here and I'm going to have fun and do the best that I can? Honestly, no, no more nervous than I was auditioning for like, um, not the manager of NISMA, New York state auditions, basically. Those were the guys that made me nervous. Cause it's like, they, they pay close attention to every single note that you play. And then they, they dock you for any note that's slightly flat or slightly sharp. And it's like, Oh God. Oh um, but I, yeah, I don't know. There's enough, enough reverb, enough presence in the hall and enough going on that I didn't feel as nervous. I mean, I, I had played a lot of concerts, uh, even by age 13, um, because I was in orchestras my whole life, literally doing concerts like weekly, monthly, uh, in front of pretty large audiences, mm -hmm. not just as a concert master, but just as a musician in the, in, in the audience, you know, as a violinist mm -hmm. in the audience, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, as a, as a violinist <laughs> in the first and second violin, violin section, that's what I meant. With people in the audience. You and then say. with bands <laughs> later on in high school. Yeah. Right. So I guess the Philharmonic, there were a lot of people also on the stage with you. So it's not like you were by yourself, right? Yeah. Now, has there been any other career, though, that you either tried to go for or you actually did pursue? You're a good interviewer. Um, I'm gonna, Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to have to say yes. I was working my way through school. I was getting other degrees, three other degrees uh, in the sciences. So I, I became a teacher for four years of the DOE, the New York City Department of Education, those of you yeah. who aren't familiar. And, and then I went off, got a nursing degree. That was really important to me. And I, um, excuse me, that actually happened after my fourth year of teaching where I started to have health problems, uh, like serious health problems. It wasn't the first time I experienced that, but it really started to get to the point where I just wanted to understand my body and what was going, going wrong with my, uh, my you know, physical strength and um, why I was pretty much losing my grip on, uh, the, on my, violin, my career in violin, which had started in 2001 professionally um, mm -hmm. when I moved to New York. So, um, so yeah, nursing was the route that I took and uh after after i taught and i learned a heck of a lot heck of a lot more about uh the medical issues that i was dealing with in a nutshell adrenal insufficiency scariest period of my life i ended up uh using a bedpan i ended up uh bedridden and pretty much a vegetable uh for like i don't wow. know six months at least and i was in a, i was um in a wheelchair it was just i this is the worst. This is very ther therapeutic for me to talk about it. And I, I've talked about it many times, like for my fans, and I try to share it as much as possible, just because um, I think mm -hmm. it helps me come to understand um, what happened and what happened to me. And um, uh, what happened? You were healthy one day, and then you just started feeling ill one day, like walk us through. So yeah, so I was gonna the get process. I, I'm going to have to say it started most notably in high school when I had trouble lifting the violin, which is, it's, you're getting a sustained injury when you're holding the instrument in your hand mm -hmm. over a period of maybe, you know, whatever. If you're playing a song, it's 10 minutes long, um, <clears throat> playing a concerto, I'm like looking around me, I'm noticing that nobody else is having an issue holding up the violin except for me. And I'm like straining my back and, and I sort of ignored it. And uh, it didn't seem like, and it didn't seem like I was getting any good advice from even physical therapists or, or, um, my violin teacher, Tom Halpin, like I mentioned. Uh, so I just ignored it. And it was years later that it really came to bite me in the behind, so to speak. And I, I just mm -hmm. uh, couldn't, I, I needed to get to the bottom of what, what the issue was, because literally doctors weren't telling me what was going on. 
Like they were just saying like, here's some steroids, like here's this. And I ended up on Cortef, which was just like infuriating because I could have permanently ended up on it. And I was literally cracking the textbooks, um, trying to become my own doctor. And that's what I essentially did. And that's why I went to nursing school. I, I went there for other reasons. Yeah. But uh, in the end, you know, you see I'm standing here, I'm healthy. Occasionally I have, you know, some back problems because the, the instrument is straining, but mm-hmm. I am... Uh, stronger and healthier than I've ever been before. So what the doctors couldn't do for you and the doctors couldn't tell you what was wrong, you had, you were trying to find out your own answers. Yeah, they weren't giving me any straight, clear answers. They were just like- Did I they not they know? They didn't know. I don't think they're, they're mean-spirited. I just think they didn't know. Uh, I went to alternative modalities of treatment. I went to, uh, you know, just learning about endocrinology and uh, pathophysiology, taking all these courses of biochemistry, just trying to understand what it is it, what is it, um, that's happening. And, and I learned that a lot of it um, related to nutrition. I don't want to, I don't want to get into controversial medicine or anything like that, but mm-hmm. um, let's just say I pretty much ran the gamut. I, I tested everything out. I tried wow. everything, went to every type of doctor you can imagine, alternative, homeopathic, naturopathic, mainstream. And I just had to formulate, you know, form my own uh, understanding. So how did you either get through that or and physically, how was it possible that you were able to get out of bed and how long did it actually last that you couldn't move? So my father came to help me uh, for, uh, I feel like it was like a month. This wasn't that long ago. It was like five years ago. Wow. Five years ago. He came me for a month and it was just the, that was the worst feeling being helpless and depending on other people. And that totally changed my mindset. And my wife had to help me and my brother came cause he was in Brooklyn. He came to help me while I was like, walking around like this, you know, uh, with, with crutches, everybody was helping me. I was just depending on everybody. It was, it was terrible. It was just the worst, worst period of my life. I think that made, made that, I made that clear. (laughs) Do you feel like that actually made you though? Because sometimes when you're helpless and you need to rely on your family and your friends for full support, you really find out who you really are and what you really could handle. I did, I did learn that, uh, you know, what, whatever doesn't break you, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, um, mm-hmm. makes you want to sing the song. So in my life, it definitely helped me grow and mature and uh, appreciate life and reevaluate what it is that I'm doing in life and what I'm pursuing mm-hmm. in a major way. And uh, I, I wish that it didn't take that experience for me to come to the conclusions that I've come to. But it did. And if, I, I think that if it hadn't, that didn't happen to me, I might have been the same immature, you know, person. And I, I might have not been as well off as I am now. You were still doing nursing as a career then, right? It wasn't, you were not doing yes. full-time violinist. Ironically, I was doing, I was doing nursing. I was gigging on occasion. I really scaled back. Mm-hmm. I just could, couldn't, I just couldn't hold the instrument. But when I, when I got better, my eye was on the prize and I, and I graduated. And then I was like, I'm going into music. Like, I don't care that money was spent. Time was spent. It's knowledge. I'm putting it in my back pocket. I'm going to use it. And uh, I'm going to pursue life's too short. That's, that's the conclusion mm-hmm. I came to life is too short to be concerned about what other people say, what other people think, you know, I'm going to do what, what I believe in, what, I, what makes me happy, what I enjoy. And, uh, that's the name of my game right now. I love that you're saying that because the entire point of this show, the mantra of this show is it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. You took the cards that you were dealt with, this 
thing that you were going through and you, you couldn't move and you were sick and you didn't let it, it didn't, you, I mean, it affected you hugely. You changed your career, but it, you didn't let it push you down. You said, okay, I don't love nursing. I don't love what I was doing in the past. And that, that is the entire point of my show is showing how people go through certain things in their life, but they come out the other end because they use those things that they've been through. Yeah. It, it was more than things like I, I, I actually do. I actually do enjoy, I did enjoy nursing and I do enjoy, um, you know, the knowledge base and it's mm-hmm. very important what nurses do, but the passion that I have in music and the experiences that I have, even at, like at weddings, at concerts, just, just like the experience of being around happy people who, who are just enjoying life. Um, it, there's, it, how do you beat that? Right. How do you beat that? And I'm happy that you, that you decided to do violinist as a full time because I got to meet you at the wedding. Oh, it's an honor. We had a good time. That was- <laughs> yeah, all that was worth it. So I get to meet you. I just want to tell our listeners, if you do not know Asher Lobb, make sure to go follow him. He is not only super talented, he is the sweetest and most genuine guy. I meet a lot of people, okay? I do interviews all the time. I'm constantly connecting with people. And Asher, you have been one of the people that I keep telling my family and friends, this guy is so genuine. After I came home from that wedding that we met at, I told my mother, I said, this guy, there's something very special about him. He's so honest. He's so, you're just so honest and you're there for people. Like you're just a very good person. And I, and I could see it, it comes through and you're very real. So I appreciate that. That's super nice of you. Now you're putting under all this pressure. Now I, I I really appreciate that. That's, that's really sweet of you to say. Of course. I feel the same. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I would, I have a little tiny violin. I should probably go get it this big my brother gave me I never played it because I don't think it's playable it's just like for show I guess on my my counter like let's on my shelf let's do but it. I'll, I'll show it to you at the end of the show I'll bring it on I'll go I'll go get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well because I do want to ask you this question you have performed for many 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 people who has been one person that you were super excited to, but at the same time most nervous and why so uh, there, there have been quite a few. I'm thinking of like 20 famous people off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to have to say, and not for any good reason, uh, I'm going to have to say Dominic Hasek, the goalie, Buffalo Sabres. I don't even know how many, many of you guys even remember him. <laughs> but he was like an award-winning goalie. It was like a big highlight for me uh, when I was younger. And then Ivana Trump, and not because she's, you know, uh, like a musician, but mostly because mm-hmm. she just seemed kind of like upset at the upset. event that I was playing at. So I was like, Am I doing something wrong here? You know, at the time, like, you know, I think she's honestly upset that she is not the first lady and could have been, you know. Wow. So that's just my personal opinion. It was a pretty upscale event. And uh, I was so like, I don't know, I was feeling a lot of sorts there because I was very excited mm-hmm. to meet her and see her. But you kind of expect to have a smile. But I didn't really notice that. She didn't have any so smile. She didn't seem to be too happy. I'm not saying she isn't a happy person, person but maybe like. Oh my gosh. It was just like, maybe it was the weather. Who knows? How did you get to perform for her? That's very cool. Um, that, well, let me try to remember that. That was by the MoMA. Who the heck was it? It was, it was like, a, it was like a corporate type of event. A bunch of movers and shakers uh, were all there. And I mean, it was just, I guess it was just like one of those ritzy events. You kind of, uh, you, you want everything to run perfectly. You get referrals and everything. Yeah. And, when are you going to get to perform at the White House? With in front of actually uh, President you, Donald Trump, <laughs> yeah, you would stop yet. everything for that, right? You would stop everything for that, right? Or no? 
my, my wife would, would stop every, well, would tell me if I could stop everything for that. <laughs> I was, I was invited to do a concert for, for Kygo and uh, it fell on Rosh Hashanah. And oh. my wife was like, nope. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but I was like, why, why did it have to be on Rosh Hashanah? Like maybe another opportunity, but that didn't, that didn't come through. It was a huge festival and uh, oh, well. These things happen. Which performance would you say has been your most iconic performance? Um, I guess I, I guess I skipped the question there. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Madison Square Garden uh, and or Can Carnegie Hall. Those are two wow. of the more iconic performances for me. More like the hall than the actual concert that made me mm -hmm. feel like I can't mess up. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, Carnegie Hall. Are paying attention. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and that made me a little nervous. You know, when people are super respectful and super like, you know, they present themselves well and they really like, they take the whole event really seriously. And it feels very different than when you're at a festival where everybody's just like drunk and like hanging out, having a good time. <laughs> and they just want to hear some good music. And um, you did that by yourself or you were with a band when you performed there? That was me. That was featuring me. And uh, the Madison Square Garden thing was pretty much featuring me. Uh, and um, Matisyao was at, the, at that, that, the Madison Square concert. That was, that was pretty cool, actually. That was a cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. That was right um, back when he like was going on the Tonight Show, and he invited me actually to play violin for him. And then his managers are like, "No!" Like immediately after, they're like, "No, we don't have the money." <laughs> like, thanks. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Could have gone on tour with the guy. Yeah. That would have been really, really, really cool. Yeah, but and whatever, you just you just really started performing within the past six years, as you said. Like when you stopped nursing and you're like, "I'm doing violin." Like that's what I'm really focusing on. You started focusing like about six years ago. Full time, but I started in 2001. I immediately started playing club dates, weddings, concerts, um, right. with a lot of orchestras. But full time, and, like six years. Oh, I forgot like the biggest performance of my life, which was PBS twice, actually. Um, wow. So that was with, um, one was uh, this past year uh, mm -hmm. with Jessica Lynn, country pop starlet Jessica. And uh, we actually had, we, we go way back. Um, that was, uh, that was, at the, uh, I should, I should know more about these concerts. I'm just like, you're throwing these questions at me. I wasn't even thinking like what were the details <laughs> of like the location? I don't know if anybody cares, but that was, that's still running actually, uh, nationwide. Uh, so that she just featured me uh, a couple songs on, on her, on her special. And the other one was, uh, was like a new age performance where I was, you know, featured a bunch of solos at that was in white plains. I'll remember the venue peak skill, peak skill up in Peace School, okay. gorgeous area. And it was one of their concert halls. So that was very, very memorable. And it was an honor to be a part of those. And I look forward to more opportunities like that. Yeah, well, I see that you were actually featured in the headlines of CNN, WABC, NBC, and the New York Post, and many, many more. How are you feeling? Like, were you super excited? Were you shocked? Were you asked to be on the headline? Did you know they were writing about you? So... I'm not letting any of this stuff get to my head because it's not, it, it's just, it's just PR media stuff. Like, so some of them I've reached, I've actually um, like the New York post uh, article was uh, a woman who, who reached out to me, which is a total honor. She wanted to write about me, how I got into music and my career and, and the, and the original music that I produced and that kind of stuff. CNN, I don't even remember what the article was, but yeah, I was featured on a bunch of these articles just because um, I have a pretty unique career as a dancing violinist and there aren't too many right. people are doing that. And I had what to tell and I had an interesting story that related to, you know, um, health and hope and having a meaningful life with respect to music and 
So that's all I can say. I, you know, I'm, st- I, I, for me, what's more exciting than CNN is billboard, you know, cause, cause that's my audience. Those are, that's my mm-hmm. audience of people that are, they're not just people like in, in finance, not that I don't completely value those people, but they're people who are maybe in finance who genuinely are obsessed with music, who really want to hear your music as opposed to like, okay, they're interested in fame as opposed to like original compositions. Pretty, pretty lucky. (laughs) Yeah, you are pretty lucky. Well, talking about you being a dancing violinist, so cool. I love your music videos. I I love all the, I could see all the effects and especially the one you just posted on Instagram, there's like a moon, you know, you're like in the sky and there's like Uh, a moon following you. (laughs) So cool. So awesome. Who is actually the mastermind behind creating your music videos? Very Uh, original ideas. So I'm a little bit of a micromanager with respect to that. Uh, But I've had a couple of producers work with me. I am terrible with names, but uh, Nico worked on my last project. I've had a couple of other uh, production companies that have have offered to collaborate with me uh, Mm -hmm. in releasing these videos. Uh, One of the videos was um, Shen Li and uh, like Dances of Vice. A couple of, uh, what what was the, oh, uh, the, the MTV, the MTV concert. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. That was super cool. Nickelodeon and MTV. It was like a lot, a lot of PR stuff going on with that, with that performance. That, that was the event planning uh, pro- production company that, that uh, was responsible for that video, or at least for that concert. And I brought in a videographer that wanted to work with me that was willing to clip up the stuff and edit it and so forth. Keep doing what you're doing because your music videos are seriously awesome. They're just original. You don't find that anywhere else. That's super nice of you. I really appreciate that. A lot of these videos, you know, they're, they're higher budget. The ones that are really creative that I really want to do regularly on a monthly basis. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to work on ways to raise funds so that even during the period of COVID, I, you know, I have support for these interesting and unique mm-hmm. music videos. Um, so like I'm, I have a Patreon page. I'm looking to kind of get out there to the public and uh, hopefully I'll get some sponsors soon enough. Hopefully I'm trying to do the same thing with my show because it's people don't realize how much work goes into an episode. I posted a picture. How long do you think it takes? Like a question. People were like two hours, six hours. People don't realize that it could take a full week to edit and, and make sure an episode. And that's just editing. That's not reaching out to the person scheduling. I spend hours and hours and hours. That's why I, I really hope that, you know, people go follow and, and, and support you and support everybody in the, in the artist field. Now, let me ask you this. Can you share one of your funniest moments that you can remember that has happened either on stage or during your musical career? Okay. So the funniest, I would say one of the, one of the funnier stranger events that I experienced that I had gig wise was uh, at, a, at a ski lodge where I had to go up a ski lift and my mm-hmm. assistant and I were scared out of our minds because we had our equipment, very expensive equipment that if it fell, would have fallen, I don't know, many hundreds of feet. Of course, if we fell, <laughs> like our equipment would have broken, but if we fell, we just would have died. Um, and it was freezing and we weren't wearing jackets because we were moving from one of one location to the next. And we, we weren't thinking, I was thinking it was going to be indoors. But once we were on the ski lift, it was like 30 minutes to the top. Oh and um, they couldn't put you on a gondola? We got to bring the lift down to like the, the, the buckle. It's not, they don't have a buckle. Like it's like a metal yeah. bar. You bring it down. I, we, it didn't occur to us that it was all the way up there. We're supposed to bring it down. And oh. 
It's not like I haven't ever been on a ski lift. I just wasn't thinking. I was just scared out of my mind. So that was ridiculous. I can't say that was funny, but it was ridiculous. They couldn't put you on in closed gondola. I've been on, I've been to Vail, Colorado. And when you go on the ski lift, it's like actually there's a ski lift and then there's a gondola. You go in and it's enclosed. You go up the mountain, you can put a, a wheelchair, a carriage. They didn't have that for you? That would have been a good idea, right? Yeah. Somebody didn't plan very well. So you literally went on the ski lift with your violin. Crazy. Well, yeah, and it was more than my violin. It was my, my, my equipment, my sound equipment. And I, I couldn't have recovered it if it fell. But also, uh -uh. You, know, you're, you know, you get onto the ski lift. The, the, the ski lift has, is constantly rotating. It doesn't stop for you. So right. each, each chair is moving, and it's moving in rotation. And you have to kind of – so we're, like, trying to get on the first chair. Oh, no, we don't have enough time because we have to bring – two or three pieces of equipment with us each. So you really got to get ahead of it. <laughs> you have to get ahead of it. How did you jump off with it? How did you, you also have to jump off. It doesn't just stop. How did you jump off with your, right. with your equipment? That's crazy. Very sloppily. Whoever planned that, that's not smart. Next, <laughs> thank God. But next time you better get on the gondola. It's an enclosed gondola. You just walk on. It's very, it, it's, it's, it's easy. You just walk on. It's a lift. Yeah. I don't know if it existed at this this lodge, but oh. I'll make sure to ask for that next time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy, crazy story. Do you play any other instruments besides for the violin? I do. So I play the viola and the drums. I played that professionally for a few years and the piano. And that's wow. actually how I do some of my orchestrations. What else? Uh, uh, percussion. I mean, that's easy once you play the drums. Uh, bass, pretty decent. Uh, mandolin, pretty solid because that's very similar fingering to the violin. You play a lot of stuff, and at the same time, you're also a DJ, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. I love live mixing and remixing and um, producing music. So, mm -hmm. And on that topic, well, I'll leave the questions to you. But I do enjoy <laughs> DJing, as as you already know, you get a test to your <laughs> listeners. Do you feel like you would want to ever give um, classes in violin to either students or your children? Um, so I've, oh, whether I want to teach violin? Yeah. So I've been asked many times, and maybe I'll regret that I haven't ever said yes. Um, but so the answer, the short answer is, I don't know. Right now, the answer is no, possibly. <laughs> um, but I just feel like I left, I left education so that I could, well, eventually go into music and I, I'm trying to stick to the musical end of things, mm -hmm. performance end of things uh, and recording original music for the fans and so forth. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I may end up having to, if COVID keeps like coming and going and- Right, I hear. But, uh, so far, you know, it seems like there's still, you know, there's still opportunities for live musicians, even though the world's kind of crashed. <laughs> For sure. Well, let me ask you this. I know that you did start a business called Fiddler's Dream Music. What exactly is that? And first of all, Instagram page looks amazing. I'm loving all the pictures of proposals, weddings, oh. everything. It looks beautiful. So what are your, what exactly is it? And what are your aspirations for Fiddler's Dream Music? Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. So um, actually launched a, launched the new website, fiddlersdreammusic.com mm -hmm. yesterday. And it's wow. pretty much ready to, to visit. Very excited. Yay. Yeah. So what it was before, so Fiddler's Dream has been around for years and thank you. And it's evolved from Astrolab Music, which we've, we've done many pretty 
large scale events since 2004, I'm going to say. Uh, but it's really evolved into like a mm-hmm. full-time project. So Fiddler's Dream Music is the corporate entertainment and live wedding event musical service. Mm-hmm. So it's the music and entertainment group. And that's one hat that I wear. And the other hat that I wear is me, Ashalab, which is the artist. So I just, I finally got to the point where it's like, Fiddler's Dream and Ashalab were merged mm-hmm. for way too long. And clients and just people are confused and they don't understand that they, they don't, they, they just needed things to be separate. So I, I, I finally separated it in terms of the website, the, the social media pages have always been separate. Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channels, all those video footage have been very clearly distinguished, but the website I think takes it to the next level. And now it's like, okay, guys, it's not about me as much as it is about the group, the entertainment group, the wedding orchestra, the DJ, the wedding DJ. And that is, that is a different mindset because people, I would say brides uh, in particular, they, they have trouble wrapping their heads around like, okay, an artist, I'm going to hire an artist who plays concerts, who Mm -hmm. releases albums for my wedding. Like, is that, are they really, do they have uh, the knowledge base and the skills that, and, and they're nervous. So this is sort of, this is sort of a leveling, leveling it up and, and showing people that I'm very much uh, serious and very excited about this new venture. That was a long-winded answer to your question. No, I love it because it's definitely a very cool thing that you're doing, that you're able to bring joy to people's weddings. And now you're actually, you made a website. People could actually go and see. What is the website called that people could actually go check it out? Sure. Uh, fiddlersdreammusic.com. It's way too long of a name. But fiddlers... F-I-D-D-L-E-R-S, dream, like dream, music, all one word, dot com. Before we go, I got to ask you this. What are your goals for this year, especially with COVID being around and you, you just dropping this new website page? What are your goals? So I have a lot of goals and I, I'm going to have to say, I would say my primary goal is to keep busy in terms of the live entertainment end of things because that's really what I love. I love connecting with people through music. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goals are also to finish the Neon Dreams album. Finally, we're up to seven songs now. Wow. So three more songs of the album will be done. The Violin Covers album is finished, and I'm already shipping it out. I'll be shipping out that album, along with the EP Neon Dreams, uh, basically the first phase of the Neon Dreams album to a signed album to folks that are actually just asking me um, on social media. So people are sending me DMs and messages and, and I, that's, people are asking for the actual physical copies, physical CD. So that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to finish that, the album and I want to, you know, do weddings and corporate events and uh, pretty much work on those, those two elements. Wow. Asher, thank you so much for being here. If people want to follow you on social media, how do they get in contact with you? How do they find you? Uh, so there are so many ways. I'm going to have to say asherlob.com, contact page, fiddlersdreammusic.com, contact page. <laughs> it's just, no excuses not to be able to get in touch with me. <laughs> and, but I, I, and then, um, you know, you can try to DM me on Instagram. Uh, sometimes those messages get lost. Facebook, the messages sometimes get lost. Leave a comment in one of my posts. 
may get lost, but those are other ways of, of reaching out to me. Do you have LinkedIn? I know I asked you this before. Do you have LinkedIn? Yeah, I do have LinkedIn. I um, tried tagging you on a post and I couldn't find you. When I first oh, met I, you, I, I did like those pictures and I posted stuff about the, about the wedding. And I was like, I don't see you. Yeah, I, I changed the name. Um, I'm going to have to change the uh, to A. David Laub, but I'm mm-hmm. going to have to, I guess I could change it back to Asher Laub. I'm, I'm having LinkedIn uh, issues. We'll Let me it. help you. I'm a pro at LinkedIn. I, I'll help you with LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Um, I yeah. appreciate that. I'll, um, For sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll log in. I don't ever log in, but I'll, I'll log in and I'll I'll check it out. We're going to get you to join. I'm going to help you out. Well, Asher, thank you so much for being here. This is the 33rd episode. Again, I'm your host, Malia. If you liked what you just heard, please leave us a follow on Instagram. That is Hebrew underscore hits. Go follow Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube and leave us a rating on all your favorite streaming apps. That's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Asher, again, thank you so much for being here. And people, we'll be back next time. Same time, same place.